To the Double Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double Up, and we're here to connect perspectives. Today, got a very special guest in the building, fraternity brother of mine. Shout out to the Noops, Coach Preston Hale in the building. We'll be discussing what it took for him to go from a college football player to an entrepreneur, business owner, running his own gym here in Phoenix, Arizona. We'll also tap into what exactly is black excellence and how can we continue to perpetuate that idea of high achievement. Step in. Someone said the quote, it's better to move 100 miles backwards than stay still. Because yeah. of the fact that you learn from going backwards, you adapt. Yeah. You end up going ahead and picking up what you did wrong. Yeah. So if you stand still, there's no learning, there's no adapting. So doing anything literally is better than doing nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah, because the fact that you're moving backwards, you're like, okay, I sh- I, that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. You're learning, you're picking up stuff on the go. But if you stand still, there's nothing. There's no adaptations, there's mm-hmm. no learning, there's nothing like So just Take one step forward. Yeah. Anything. Just move. Just starting, man. Just move. I promise you a lot of that anxiety comes from some type of perfection concept that we have. Yeah. I know I have it myself. Like, this complex that I got to be so detailed and planned out that if it don't rock how I expected it to, mm-hmm. it's because I didn't plan it right. You know right. what I'm saying? But right. That's the sense of control you got to let go of sometimes. Right. right. Exactly. Absolutely. Do you think, like, Growing up, because you're from Phoenix, Arizona? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm from Arizona, like the uh, suburbs of Arizona, yeah. Chandler, so yeah. W- would you say it was kind of a, a creative zone, or was it kind of structured in terms of what you envisioned your life turning out to be? Did someone say you have to do these uh, particular jobs or have this particular career for success, or was it kind of open for you to decide for yourself what you was trying to be? Man, it's crazy. Let's give it like a one-minute story, so... Like I, my vision was an NFL, of course. Out of, I mean, out of high school, out of college, I went from junior college to Alabama State, and from there, I got a criminal justice degree. And out of that, like, uh, I ended up going into training. I got all my certification, got my CSCS, got all that stuff. So it's really about like college is just letting you know that you're smart enough to just handle tasks. But it's what you do after college that the real work begins. You know what I'm saying? So like, literally, it's whatever you put your mind to, you're you're gonna do. It's it's. It's like all this structure of you have to do this, you have to do that. No, it's just really about networking, people knowing you and, you know, you taking the steps in that direction, just being all in. Yeah. Really, that's all it is, like reading books, being making sure that you, you know, you, you're perfecting your craft or whatever you want to do. I think that's the biggest thing. You know? Straight up, like some type of constant growth, some type of constant progression. Yeah. Even if it's just that small stuff. Yeah. Because you ain't going to get it all in one day. No, you can't. You can't. Was it... Um, so you said you went to JUCO before Alabama State? Yeah, I went to JUCO. What was that JUCO grind like? Oh, man. Because man, I hear about it. JUCO grind is like everybody is like, everybody comes in the mindset like, oh, I, 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 I should have been D1. I had all these offers, but I didn't have the grades. Mm-hmm. Everybody run a 4-4. Everybody's this. Everybody's <laughs> locked down. Everybody was the man at their high school, and everybody's not focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, I came on a, or, you know, I'm blessed to have guys that were around me that actually we all had the same uh, purpose. But it's definitely, you can get caught up in the party and the, there's people there that, you know, stay there, make a two-year 
institution into a four-year university. It's just like, you can't be at a junior college for four years. That's just not what it's for. You get in, get out. Right, right. And so it's just the longer you're there, the more that you get stuck. So it's just that that whole thing is you got to know your vision from the time you come in to the time you come out. You can't lose it. Yeah. And a lot of times the JUCOs are probably in a city where it ain't much else going around but yeah, football. exactly. And so you would think that would keep cats from being distracted. Right. But it seemed like it'd be the opposite effect sometimes. Exactly. Like, what what, what was the town like where your JUCO was at? Uh, well, it was right by Tempe, so I yeah. mean, there's a lot so of stuff going on. So you was in a mix there. Yeah, it was like, I went to that, 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 college. That's probably a different type of... So if I'm staying at ASU, Tempe, uh, anywhere in this area, it's party zone, bro. Like, it's always popping, going down. It's it's crazy. So how you get through JUCO <laughs> oh, in the middle of all of that? I just knew what I wanted, man. I had people around me to keep reassuring me and keep me on track, you know. I went out and partied and did all that stuff, but at the end of the day, I knew what my purpose was, and I wanted to go ahead and play Division One football. That's my full, like, purpose. I didn't care about making friends. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about anything else. I wanted to play Division One football. That was That's my... I would be out on the field at five o'clock doing stuff that I don't even believe in right now, doing all kinds of footwork drills, <laughs> stuff like all, I would do whatever it took, even if it didn't work, I would do whatever it took just to, you know, beat the next person. So it's just, you just got to keep on that vision. A lot of people, they lose that, you know, yeah. they lose that vision. They get in there they're just like, uh, you know, uh, it'll be okay. Okay. If I turn up, it'd be okay. If I do this, maybe I'll miss practice, you know, yeah. I'll be, it's like, no, no, nah. that's not what they're looking for. Was that a wake-up call for you being at JUCO or was it kind of something that going into your senior year football you figured you might have to go that route well yeah I was undersized I wouldn't really get a lot of looks I went to Hamilton High School which is pretty big football out here and at that time in 2006 I think we were ranked nationally you know we won championships we were like pretty much a dynasty so I got overlooked and so I ended up going to a JUCO and you know junior college they have all those guys from Florida they got all these guys from different states and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and it's just Mm -hmm. you come in there it's just like wow so actually what people a lot of people don't know is I came in there I redshirted my first year because I wanted to have four years to play at the next or three years to play at uh, the next level so I went in there and those two people that when I redshirted they would come back another year so I was just like okay what I can do is I can either go ahead and quit football or I can go ahead and, you know, beat these guys out. Because both of them were good. And so what I went in there is I, started, I was like 155 pounds. I ended up gaining like 30 pounds. 20, yeah. like, I'd say like 25, um, like 25 pounds, not 30, 25. I ended up working my tail off. Uh, I got a mentor uh, who's actually the reason why I went into KSI. Because of the fact that he, he was a bruh. And we went yeah, to the same church. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he went to, he was, like, he, we went to the same church. And he mentored me through the whole thing. Gotcha. And uh, he was a scout for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what I ended up doing is I went from no offers. I had all kinds of, I got, uh, um, what's it called? New Mexico State was my first offer. I had uh, Alabama State. I had Hampton. I got Nevada. I got all kinds of different things just by outworking those guys. Because what one of those dudes did was they went back to Alabama for the, for the summer. Yeah. And I came in. I was around the coaches. I, the coaches mm-hmm. saw me working all that stuff, and they gave me the spot. And I, I broke the record for the longest interception. I went out there mm-hmm. and balled out. And, Hey, hey, I got out of there. I'm like, I'm not trying to be here another year. Straight up. I'm, I'm out of here. That's what it be when you get the op and you put in that position, especially in football, because you know how quick it comes sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be an injury. Oh, it yeah. could be somebody uh, was oversleeping and didn't make a training yeah, session. Bro, and so anything. now <laughs> you thrown into the mix, bro. So, like, staying ready for that moment and that opportunity is key. Um, once you chose what school you were going to, was that um, – purposeful was there any intent around going to hbcu or did you say i'm just taking a d1 offer 
It was really the first thing is uh, I was an academic liability. I had mm -hmm. a 2.4, I believe, and New Mexico State was my first offer. And they called me back and they said, hey, you know, we're going to go ahead and hold on off on our offer because of the fact that you have too low of a GPA. Mm -hmm. And that was just like, man, that was heartbreaking because I was like, I was ready to commit and go there. Yeah. And uh, Alabama State said, hey, look, you know, we'll uh, fly you out here. But if we fly you out here, you know, HBCU. Yeah. Right? They, they don't you, got all you the funds. You got to sign. <laughs> and as soon as I signed, Nevada offered me right there. As soon okay. as I signed, they okay. called me off. But I was just like, you know what? I just got to go to Division right. right. And, and the school was nice. Everything was cool. It was one of the better HBCUs. You know, you have ones that are, you know, not big on football. That one was, you know, it's Alabama. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have the biggest classic in black college. You yeah. know, they, they have a lot of big things going on. So I don't regret that. But you know, I just happened to be an HBCU. Yeah. And I got a lot of culture from that. So I was happy I already know, that. man. So, like, my, my mother, she went to Benedict College. Okay. My father... My biological father went to Vanderbilt University, yeah. but you know he was dibbling dabbling at Tennessee State in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he met my stepmother. Yeah, yeah. So like, I got a, a a profound understanding of how much people usually love their HBCU. Yeah. Man. So oh, yeah. like, what was that experience uh, specifically going to a black college that you think a lot of people don't understand oh, going to a PWI? Yeah, it's just like. You coming from Arizona, there's like, whether you like it or not, there's not a whole lot of black people yeah, out there. There's not, like, not, even, not even black, but culture. Yeah. And so I grew up around, you know, I, I, I grew up around a mixture of people, but out there it's just like one demographic. It's black and white. There's no Mexican. Mm -hmm. There's no anything else. There's no Asian. There's nothing else. So uh, when I went out there, like, the funny thing, like, the first thing I noticed was everybody says, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, even the most thugged out dudes, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Like, yeah. gold teeth, everything, you know, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. But it's just going on there is just overwhelming. Like, you see people strolling on campus. You see big, like, people, it's like a party at yeah. all times. And it's just like the love of their university is so real. It's just like, man, they love it, you know what I'm saying? So just seeing that is just like, man, I can't wait to go ahead yeah. and freaking get into this, man. And just like how much love they had for the band, how much love that they had. It was like unity, because it's not a huge school. So it's just like unity, you know what I'm saying? It's just like black empowerment. Yeah. I saw a lot of that. Yeah, man. I think that exposure at that age is it, usually pivotal. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because a lot of times, uh, especially I'm from St. Louis, so growing up there, it's a lot of poverty. It's a lot of people who don't see success. Right. Successful black people. Right successful black people not playing sports you know what i'm exactly. saying so once i start to narrow down those categories man it gets slimmer and slimmer but the hbcu you see all type of professionals doing anything from the creative arts yep. to science and technology yeah. to sports and so exactly i know that kind of you had to expand your network right oh absolutely and just being out there that's the same school that uh rosa parks went to man they have a statue of her in there Martin yeah. the king's house was right there that bus accident that happened was not too far from the university you know what i'm saying yeah. all that stuff that it's like it's culture it's yeah. like rich and yeah absolutely that there's black judges mm -hmm. black doctors black cops everybody even the construction workers right everybody's black Everybody, it's just weird to see, you know, yeah. in everything, you know, because of course I hear you have certain people doing different things and certain people having different jobs. And it's just black everything. Right. It, was, it, was, right. it, was, it was amazing to see, man. It was amazing. Man. That's how I feel every time I go to Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, this is oh it. Oh my god! You know what I'm saying? Oh like, man. you can't tell me that it's not possible. Black excellence is at a hundred percent out there for sure. And I tell everybody, especially my white friends, is like. When I talk about black excellence or uh, being proud of my black people, yeah. it's because I've seen how much struggling we've done. Yeah. And also, I don't knock collaboration. I knock people taking advantage yep. of our people. So yep. if we collaborate, it just got to be righteous. It yeah. just got to be fair equity. Right. And it's all good. Right. But 
anytime that uh, they try to make it seem like it's a problem or you're being divisive because you support black-owned businesses yeah. or things right. like that, I think the, the misunderstanding is that they think it's anti-white. Right. When in reality, it's just making sure that we can all build, we can all continue to grow, you feel And me? it's just breaking the stigmatism of, or it's just breaking the, the uh, basically the stereotype that, you know, we can only be athletes, we can only be this, we can only be that. And I think that, you know, Anytime somebody acts up that's in our culture, it's not an isolated incident. It's all of us. So I think that, you know, when we represent ourselves, we have to represent ourselves not being thugged out, Mm -hmm. not doing this. So it's a positive image. So when I use the word black excellence, I mean that you see us in a different light outside of sports. Mm -hmm. You see us excelling in things outside of rap, outside of things that, you know, dancing, you know, outside of stuff like that, that we actually can go ahead and be doctors, you know, because it's not looked at as as, as a thing that's, you know, prominent. That's a fact, and I talk to my dad about that a lot, too, because we go back and forth that I, I feel you because I definitely want us to be um, open and have the options to do whatever we we can do in life. Mm-hmm. But we do have a little special in us when it comes to being an athlete, being a creative. And I don't want us to neglect it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want us to nurture that to the max and then transition. You mm-hmm. feel me? Too many times I see people that's talented being told no don't even try that don't even try to become a musician don't even try to become an artist don't even try to become an athlete because you ain't gonna make it right and they coming from a good place they're trying to protect you right they want you to pan out and be successful in life period right but i never want people to say nah just because uh you're black that you have to be something else Mm -hmm. other than an athlete or other than a musician right not saying that defines you yeah but if that's what you love to do Go on, max it out, and yeah. then transition. Does exactly. that kind of make sense? Exactly. But if you look at the the Nigerians, yeah. Nigerian people, like I like I love their culture because of the fact that they're just all about like, hey, you academics, yeah. you have to go ahead and have a foundation of that mm-hmm. because we don't want to be looked at as we're stupid. Yeah. And the mind is first. Exactly. They're into it. the creative mm-hmm. arts. They're into all that stuff. They're into that. And I just think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you know, black people, we don't have an identity. Really, mm-hmm. we don't. We're this. We're that hip hop. Where hip hop culture is our identity. Yeah. We don't have a flag. We don't have a language. We don't have any sort of thing that we can call our own. So it's like we adapt all these different things. And so when you're Nigerian or when you're this, you're proud. Mm-hmm. But it's just like us. It's just like what what do we have? We don't have a flag. We don't have anything to be proud of, really, yeah. except our history. Yeah. But that's 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 one of the things. It's just like so. Yes, you can be good at this. But also let them know that you'll kill them mentally. Let them know that you can kill them with your mind. Let them know this. So it's be good. It's good to be well rounded, because yeah. football players, a lot of them, with this, says seventy percent go broke mm-hmm. after after football, and that's just because we're not well rounded in that. Mm-hmm. You know, some you let somebody else. We're all the 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 lawyers or the sports agents that are brothers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that actually have your best interest. That ain't gonna take it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Not saying that you have to be a brother have somebody's best interest, but where are it? Where where is it? You know? And that's. That's one of the things that we struggle with as our culture, you know, as a black culture, is that, you know, we got to have an identity outside of hip hop. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. Because, that, like I said, people follow us with that, you yeah. know, trendy. Especially because I want to hold you on that. Not just outside of hip hop, because there are some good messages. There's some good artists who are doing the right things. Right. But it's uh, a higher agenda when it comes to the people that own the radio stations, the mm-hmm. people that own the record labels. The music that's promoted isn't always best for our culture. Right. You know what I'm exactly, saying? Exactly. Exactly. So I don't think it's hip hop in itself. I think it's the way that it's been manipulated yes. so much to only highlight yes. the negativity, to only highlight exactly. the ratchet shit. So exactly. like, if if we can try to take that narrative back, 
you know what I'm saying and understand the business acumen understand uh, the the technical and the uh, the technology we need to leverage our talents to leverage our abilities yeah. the way that other races have been able to do then I think that'll help us uh, see more of a career in some of these organizations or some of these uh, things we're passionate about other than just being a talent you feel right me? right right now I have a question so like with Hispanics out here the Hispanic community they do a phenomenal job of opening up different businesses mm -hmm. in the ring why do you think us as black people have trouble or struggle doing the same thing banding yeah. together in that I think it's, it's, it's twofold we get in a, a real struggle with unity in a sense that we don't highlight the positive connections that we have we highlight the lack of connections we have mm -hmm. so we feel like we always need just a few more of us we need uh, a couple hundred more a couple thousand of us to band together right when I operate on a person to person right so if I have a connection I see how we can build cool we gonna keep building I'm not gonna worry about the five people who it didn't work out with right I'm not exactly. gonna keep on pushing the narrative that man man I'm glad you're working me because you know niggas don't be working with each other I went to this person I went to this right, person right right because you continuously building that programming right and so if we can get unity understood as I'm focusing on who's trying to build with me yeah. as opposed to highlighting who's not building with me, yeah. then we will be able to see that it's a lot of collaboration going on already. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. For sure. And that's the thing. We need to do a better job of highlighting that. But going back to the hip-hop thing, like, yes, I feel like, you know, we're such a creative culture. Why are we repeating the same thing? Shooting mm -hmm. people, drugs, all this stuff. I promise you, G, look, it's, it's, it's not us. It's not the, the musicians exactly. that but why are we letting people thing. do that? Mm. We have a mind mm -hmm. of our own. Why are we letting people put that in? Why are we selling out if yeah. we're so powerful? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing, you know, we got to encourage each other. Like, hey, just like, what's his name? Uh, that guy who just did the song with Will Smith about Will Smith. Oh. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jordan Lucas. Jordan Lucas, yeah. I ain't heard it. Man, it's fire. He's like, it's like he's, he talked about that. That was like his idol growing up and all that stuff. Yeah. The music video's fire. He's not rapping about no drugs. He's not rapping about no, nothing like that. And it's just so creative. It's something yeah. you got to check it out. It's something that's never been done before. Will yeah. Smith posted it. It is fire. Like he's just going through a scene of all these different movies and how he inspired him yeah. and all that stuff. And his wordplay on that. It's like that's genius. Yeah. Just like that one thing that he had, that that song, I'm not racist. Exactly. That's that's another that's another yeah. way to go ahead and, mm -hmm. and it's just like if we could use our talent, because we ta we're talented. Yeah. If we could use that and not be brainwashed mm -hmm. into like, oh, you have to do this to sell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Then then it, then we can go ahead and I feel make strides at uh, creating something that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's we we spend too much time letting people tell us what's gonna do this or what's gonna do that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when we go ahead, you know, since we are so artistic. The very second we take ownership of ourselves mm -hmm. and what you know what you could, what your message possibly can do to that small kid not even just black but any kid yeah. what, what that can do to him how it can impact him then i think that you know we can do some positive things we just got to make sure that you know we're all accountable to that stuff because mm -hmm. there's nobody governing hip-hop no nah. nobody is no nah, i mean i know who's governing it's a bunch of <laughs> old people who are not connected to the culture exactly you know what i'm saying exactly. and so uh that's where the message or the agenda for the collective gets lost is you don't have the resources meaning you ain't cutting the checks <laughs> so the final person that's cutting the checks got yeah. to say so yeah, exactly and it's a sad thing that's why we need to be in those higher places oh yeah we're gonna get there man yeah like what what would you say the fraternity the the greatest fraternity cap out beside absolutely has meant to you 1911 um, baby i want you to go first from when you were introduced to her you, you say you had a mentor who was a, a noob and then 
in college and post-college, what has that been like for you? Oh, man. So I was in Kappa League, KL growing up. Okay. I was in the Phoenix chapter. Yeah. I had uh, a bunch of brothers around that, you know, it just it, it just it just piqued my interest. And then, um, you know, we used to do stuff all the time. I didn't really know too much about the culture. And then I went to this Martin Luther King parade. Yeah. And one of the dudes who I, I go to his barbershop now, I just thought it was so dope. They had their uh, jackets on. They were tw- they doing the cane work. They are doing all stuff. I'm yeah. like, man. That is fine. It was smooth. You know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> Q-Dogs and the Alphas, they was doing their thing, but I'm like, man, the bros just smooth. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Just yeah. the way they dressing is just, you know, I was like, man, they fresh. I'm like, I like that. And just my mentor, he just, like my mentor, Andre, he just carried himself a certain way. I was just like, man, you know, you're about business and, you know, you dress well. You know, I'm like, that's me. You know what I'm saying? And you, you know, you respect yourself. We're looked at as the gentlemen. We're looked at as like the the country club guys. You know what right. I'm saying? We're like high end. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We're very educated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They'll play around, brothers will play around, but when it comes down to business, you know, we achieve in every field of human endeavor, right? right. So um, uh, that was my thing going into that. And then, like I said, through community college, he was helping me. And he, uh, one of the guys who was my best friend at the time, he ended up uh, pledging. And he was like, just like two, two, uh, two people on his line. Then when I got to Alabama State, I got there. Uh, I think there was like three bros that was on the football team. And our head coach was a bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like there's a lot of that. And just seeing that, you know, the way, because there's like 100 dudes on the yard at the time. 100. Oh, <laughs> 100. You I know forget what I'm that HBCU like. Oh, bro, man. 100. There, and then they had something that was so dope. They had like, uh, like a, a stone or just an area like where, you know, the bro, just only bros can sit there. Yeah. And you, can only, you can't walk across the grass unless you're a bro. Man. You know what I'm saying? You can't sit on that bench unless you're a bro. It was yeah. painted in yeah. K-Side. You can't touch that tree. It's just like people would avoid it. You know what I'm saying? And just being on there, just seeing the brush sit on there, it was amazing. And so uh, just going through that and uh, the process, of course, you know, uh, you know, it helped me build a lot of uh, brotherhood with my guys. There was uh, 27 of us. Was yeah, yeah, 27, bro, 27, 27, 27, bro. And we're looked at as BZ, Beta Zeta, the flagship chapter of the South. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of pride there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We had Alabama A&M. We I was had, just about to ask if y'all got ties with Alabama A&M, man. We're rivals. That's rivals. it. Yeah, we're rivals. <laughs> we're rivals. We hate them. Yeah, there's no love there. But Tuskegee, yeah. Alabama A&M, Troy, Alabama, University of Alabama, Auburn. You had Ada Kai, who's, which was... Uh, uh, fam, you. We yeah. had all different. What's it called? Alabama South. I mean, Southern Alabama. There's all these schools yeah. around, so we would all do, get together and do stuff. Snoop's deep. Oh yeah, it's everywhere. There's always something to do. You know, yeah. I, Auburn, Montgomery. There's a school. Yeah, they called. There's everywhere. And so the bros is just. It's always been around them. And so when after I pledged, um, the best thing that I could say that that did for me was allowed me to go ahead and work. It gave me an opportunity to to meet my my other mentor, who was uh, a guy who taught me about defensive back training. And uh, he was Who's at Fisher that? Institute. Uh, Will, Sullivan. Will Sullivan. Yeah, he taught me about because uh, that's when he had uh, Darrell Rebus. Mm-hmm. Like he p- kind of gave him the blueprint of how to do that stuff, and so uh, that helped me get to Fisher Institute, where I ended up going ahead and starting my career as a trainer. And uh, that's the biggest thing. It's like it helps you network. It, you know, help. Like we wouldn't even have this conversation if it wasn't that stuff. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It automatically lets you know when I meet a brother. Automatically lets me know that he's legitimate. You know what I'm saying? And I know what he had to go through. I know he had to go ahead, the the hardships, the trials, the tribulations. I know that he is solid. You know what I'm saying? Now, now some chapters do stuff different than others. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Cap size and all has a fraternity. Exactly. I'm talking about just far as on the yard. You know, they do stuff different than others. You know, because it's like they got a bad rap. 
you know what I'm saying? This this one over here have a bad rap, you know what I'm saying? So we get, we keep our nose clean and yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. Especially Beta Zay that we don't haze over there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. IQ does not haze at all. Anybody no. listening, we do not haze. No, no, no. We don't None promote that. that. Yeah. Uh, we promote brotherhood and achievement. Brotherhood and achievement. That's what <laughs> we about, baby. Uh, would you say that it was taxing or it was a pretty smooth transition when you were going from I I done played ball, I feel like I maxed out my ability, my opportunities, and you started to transition to becoming a trainer in a business, man. Kind of talk me through that mindset and what was your, your perspective on life at that time? So I still wanted to play ball. You know, Always. I just graduated, I still wanted to play ball. Uh, so I had the, the combine class of uh, 2011, I believe Marvin Jones, he's in there mm -hmm. with us and all that. So those guys were my age. And so I'm like, I should be here. Yeah. I should be here with these guys. But I tore my shoulder. I ended up getting a, a, a season injury. This you mean? No, no, yeah, this is at Fisher. But okay. the season, that same season, 2011, which was my last season, um, or 2000, 2010, I ended up getting injured and gotcha. pretty much ended my season. I played like two games. So after that, without a shoulder, you can't really trade for your pro day. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, I'm going to help people to get to the next level. So uh, my mentor, he ended, at that time, he ended up getting me over there. Will Sullivan, straightforward type of guy. He uh, he had Darrell Revis at the time, and I was able to jump in their sessions and you know just learn. You know what I'm saying? So I was in there, and I would be competing with the guys, overly competing. All yeah. the guys, all the pro yeah. day guys, we would do one on ones. It'd be like the the Super Bowl for me because uh -huh. I'm a competitive dude, and 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 it almost cost me my career because of the fact that my uh, Will was like, hey, do you want to be a trainer or do you want to be an athlete? Mm -hmm. You have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. You can't be both. You know what I'm saying? You cannot be both. And I'm just like, man. And so it, it took like a good month for me to decide that. And then when I decided I wanted to be a trainer and kind of let that stuff, because I was too buddy-buddy with the guys. Mm -hmm. One of the actually guys, he was a running back from Houston. His name was Bryce. He, he was a bruh. Yeah. And then we had another guy. He was a bruh. And so, you know, I would see them in Scottsdale. It's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, you can't be buddy-buddy with those guys, even though I didn't really like fraternize with those guys out there like that. It's just like, you know, you didn't want to cross that cross line. Cross the line, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, yeah. He said I had to make that choice, which was good. It allowed me to go ahead and dive into it. Then I ended up getting my CSCS, ended up getting all these certifications that I needed. It took me a long time to get that. Uh, but yeah, uh, so after that, I ended up jumping in with uh, like Will. His thing is called Shut Down You. He had all the Patriots secondary. He had uh, Darrell Revis, all those guys. And I would just go in there and just run, be, be a rabbit. That's what we call it. Just the, the guy who runs the routes for him, like does all that stuff. And not necessarily routes, but guy who like gives him a look. Mm -hmm. So I did that for like three to four years. And then he brought me alongside like, and I would help. I would coach him. Like, I'm sitting here giving guys, you know, coaching tips that are at a higher level than I am. Yeah. Yeah, I've never played a down in the NFL. What right do I have to tell this guy? Yeah. And I've never played it. When a, you know what you're talking yeah. about, you can be confident. Exactly. Absolutely. And you just see it from a personal training standpoint. Because a lot of defensive coaches, back coaches in the NFL, they aren't trainers. Mm -hmm. They know X's and O's. They don't know the Joes. They don't know what you can do to go ahead and stop this guy or this movement. They just know you need to be here and don't let them do this. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it taught me. And so I think going back to the original question, yeah, I think that that propelled my career, like being in like case, I propelled my career for uh, for that. And it was, a, it was a long journey. Then I went from Fisher and I ended up going to some different gyms, privately contracted, training kids for free, doing all that stuff, you know, in the heat. 100 yeah. degree, 120 <laughs> degree weather, you know, doing whatever I had to do. I charge, I remember I charged one kid like $5 a session, he never paid me, but I just wanted to get experience. So just doing that. So that's why I kind of have a chip on my shoulder. It's like, I've, I've been there doing stuff for free in the heat, training kids for five hours, doing all that stuff. And that's how I developed a lot of relationships and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And 
and, and the biggest word of advice I can give anybody out there is like, uh, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. You know what I'm saying? Because you know who you know doesn't mean anything. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, you you know this person. Does he know you? Exactly. When they the, think of an opportunity, do they call exactly? You? <laughs> you that's know? that's what matters. And so that's what gave me an opportunity to uh, do a couple things with Exos and talk to a couple guys out there. It's because I had three guys. I had Kwame Lasseter. I had Thurman Moore, who was a, a D line pass rush expert, a specialist. He does that stuff out there. Then I had Will Sullivan, who does all that stuff out there. So gotcha. I had three guys vouching for me for that stuff to do that. So and then Exos is far from me. So mm-hmm. I, I decided to open up my own gym and do all that stuff with two other guys called Ignite, and uh, we've been rocking ever since. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ignite. What's the what's the mission of it? Um, what's your your role with the company, and how do you see it growing? Like, what's your vision for it? So we put the athlete first. A lot of the times, uh, people want to get athletes just to get a name for themselves, mm-hmm. or put them all, take pictures with them, and all that stuff. Like, hey, and they do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily do that. You know what I'm saying? We want to put the athlete first. Our biggest thing, our biggest mission is get kids to play college. That's it. Simple. If they want to play professional ball. Awesome, we'll help, but get high school kids, because that's our main demographic, to college. We want to get them with a free education. And that's the biggest thing, that's our biggest mission. Uh, the other thing, what was the second? What was the, what's your position? Well, my position, I'm the owner. The so owner. I'm one of the owners. So we, tell me what's that like? What's the operations? Oh man, so it's three of us. There's mm-hmm. three owners, we split it three ways. Uh, I'm in charge of uh, social media. I'm in charge of mobility program, because I'm, I'm a mobility specialist through FRSV. Uh, I do a lot of defensive back stuff. Uh, when the NFL guys come in, I usually handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple of MLB guys. Uh, I help do a lot of this uh, mobility work with the program. Uh-huh. Our guy Rob, he works on a lot of the program because he comes from a, uh, he comes from Fisher too. He does a lot of the weight training stuff. Uh, the other guy, Javi, he does a lot of plyometric stuff. He's good at that. And so we all band together and do all that stuff come together. So uh, we try to move as one part. Because anytime you have three different people, yeah. uh, you have to be on key. You have to, I mean, you have to be on par. So uh, we do a good job of that. But my biggest thing is uh, social outreach because I'm from here. I'm rooted in here. It's just to bring people in and get them to go ahead and get that uh, the opportunity. Yeah. And what was the last one? And the last one was what's your vision? Like, how do you see it growing? And what would you what like? I guess um, demographics or what um, populations are you really trying to tap into? So the high school, so we want eighth graders, seventh graders, we want all the high school kids, that way they get an opportunity. It's not necessarily the five-star people. Okay. We don't necessarily, we can, we'll take them. Yeah. But we don't want to sit there and be like, hey, you're a five-star before you came to us, now we've made you, we want to take the credit. Right. We want the guys that were overlooked. Mm-hmm. And we want to make them into those type of athletes. That's we want right. to make them, we want to create them. Because there's athletes who train superstars, and there's athletes who make superstars. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Athlete, I mean, trainers, people who train superstars is like, oh, he was already a superstar. He just come to you and just train. You didn't necessarily make him. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a guy that uh, I ended up training. He already ran a 4-2-2. A and what I did was I just made sure during this process he didn't get hurt. Right. You know, he ended up uh, tying with John Ross. And uh, I didn't sit there and take credit that I made him faster. I just said right. I kept him healthy. Because anytime you're producing that much speed, your hamstrings are gonna like go out. Like yeah. that. it's it's just a lot on your body. So I made him stay healthy. So that's that's not what I'm in it for. Ooh, I'm not. Like that. Oh, Kevin Sneed. Kevin he, Sneed. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, bro. yeah, yeah. Kevin Sneed. He was uh he was with me. I believe 2018, and I did his pro day work. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he ran out there and just blew it away. But it's like it's not about me getting the credit for that stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to be in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And 
we want to put, like I said, we put the athlete first. We want them to do that. And we don't want to post all these pictures of them doing us. We want to post pictures of them signing. Right. And that's our biggest thing. Man, and that's how it's supposed to be when, when the goals are aligned. Meaning that the client comes in and they telling you, this is what I want to do. I, w- I want to get to college. I want to play ball. Yes. If your agenda is, yeah, I hear you, but I really want to just grow my business so i don't care if you get to college as right as you look good for my video feeds things of that nature that's when it gets messy yeah and so uh that's what that's why i love working at exos because i see a lot of the genuine connections i went through the combine myself so i know the work is quality right you know what i'm right, saying right and any business that you deal with i feel like you have to position yourself to to a bring value to them first right uh, but also understand that they're not there to benefit you specifically. Right. They're there to benefit others through you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So with your business at Ignite, would you say that the purpose of you starting this was to just be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner? Or was there some other just plan or uh, push that inspires you to start opening your own business? Well, we just need our own space. Like just it's never, it, it, yeah. We just need our own space. Yeah. We need us uh, just because we were all privately contracted at gyms. You got eighteen different trainers doing eighteen different things, mm-hmm. and we just wanted our own space to do things. We all, all of our values and core values align. And it wasn't necessarily that we, you know, we're like, hey, we're in this to be business. So it's like, no, we're in this to go ahead and get kids to the next level. Yeah. We just happen. It just happens to be a business. It happens to be under a roof. You know, we all. If it was about the money, we wouldn't be trading. Gotcha. You know, we wouldn't because of the fact that. Unless you're the the top of the line, unless you're Verstegen or <laughs> you're not making you know multi millions of yeah. dollars right away yeah. or Brett Fisher, and you see you're the not type making of it. business you got to grow to get to that point of absolutely, money, you know absolutely, absolutely, and it it's, gets strenuous if you just want to be in there for the passion and the love and it does. making sure you got that one on one connection with the clients. Absolutely. Now, do we want to go ahead and live comfortably? Absolutely, but we don't want to go ahead and do it at the cost of our athletes not getting Division One scholarships or Division Two or wherever they want to go, Division Three. There's nothing wrong with going to any three. Right I went, hey, I'm a D2 baby. Yeah, yeah. There's you know nothing wrong with going anything. D2 free school. You know what I'm saying? Up, yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, as long man. as you don't have debt at the end of graduation when you walk, you 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 won. That's a fact, man. You won. It changes the the level ground that you're on. You yeah, know exactly. You ain't digging your way out your hole. Yeah. You're already climbing. Yeah, exactly. And that's 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 the thing that you know I see everybody out here. That's the thing about the training business. If I go on my little tangent, everybody out here is a quote unquote a sports performance ex- uh, uh, expert. Everybody out here. There's mm-hmm. so many people out here that do that because it's, it's a beautiful place to train. Right. Everybody out here. And nobody does any background checks of are you this, are you that, do you have it? Nobody does. It's just like, oh, you know, well, you look like you're doing a, a good job. They go in there and do that. And it's just, that's the thing that we don't want to get caught up in. It's just like, no, we put, we put like so much time and effort into our education that we're just like, hey, we want to keep growing you this. We want to be a mentor to you. We want to talk to you outside of this. We want to go to your games. We want to be more than that. And just, hey, I, I put my arm around the five-star guy over here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make myself look good. You know, I'm going to take all these pictures and stuff and make, you know, it's like, no, it's not about that. It's about the athlete. Yeah, yeah man. And I think that's genuine, bro. Yeah. And, and when it gets outside of that, it gets clouded and people you know maximize the potential of the people that's trusting you to do that exactly and when i when i deal in training because i'm not i'm not a trainer right right i'm a former player i know the position i know db work right and so the value that i always try to bring to any training organization or anybody that's coaching things of that nature is that hey 
I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna work off of you. Whatever, uh, however you want to run it, I'm gonna run it. But right. I'm gonna bring some value. I know what I'm talking about. Right. But then also, I'm not trying to build training clientele off of this. Right. Right. For sure. The only thing I'm trying to build is an opportunity to connect with these kids. That's huge. So that. This is the so this is the the foundation I'm running. This is called pursue my passion. Right. And so pursue my passion basically connects young athletes to careers that they're passionate about. So that's huge, man. I show them people who are either former athletes or look like them, come from places that they are, and I connect them. Right. And so that's all it is. Is young young boy like this? Is what you're trying to do? Right. I got a rolodex somebody that's already tapped into yeah. the pursue my passion network. Exactly. And they willing to reach back out and kind of talk to them and. Everybody doesn't have the time, and so the 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 thing I'm trying to do is grow the network. Right. So everybody doesn't feel like they got to do it on their own. I got to make uh, three days a week to mentor kids. Like, nah, you just got to take an hour out of your week sometimes to talk to little homie from the streets that's thinking about doing what you do. Exactly. No, it's and, it, and that's that's the thing that we need more of. It's like it's you're mentoring, you're giving them guidance, you're doing that stuff. I'm talking about people that just you know go out there just like just for the name and all that stuff and all and, and, and just going out there just for the money it's like no it's about the kid yeah, it's about the kid like I said I've trained for like three three years I trained kids for free yeah. I was doing that like yeah. that's that's the thing and so there's nothing wrong with that because I wasn't certified when I was training kids at all mm -hmm. when back back like when I first started no but it's about the relationship mm -hmm. you have to have that you know what I'm saying you have to build you know and there's there's too many people and not even just Arizona just everywhere you know that just you know they have a ladder they put it out there mm -hmm. I am a sports performance trainer right. and I'm like <laughs> oh gosh when you go ahead and you put all your life and your passion and all that stuff mm -hmm. it's just it's you look at stuff different you're just yeah. like like man like, like don't water it down don't dude. water it don't down water there's it so down. much more to it there's so much more to it and that's why you know guys like us you know you know we, we we're passionate about it and anytime that you know something deviates from that we're just like man that's not it that's yeah. not it but we need more we need, like that mentorship thing is huge yeah. it is like yeah. just talking to them afterwards creating that connection that's where it starts like after as soon as you leave the field that's where mentorship starts they see it through you they see you demonstrating exactly they don't see you just oh man here come Preston talking about what I need to be doing but yeah. he don't got nothing going on with his right. life right they look at you alright right. he went from player to trainer coach to business owner alright what he talking about probably got some value. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so you played the, you played the position at a very high level. You provide a lot of value with that, but you can also tell them like, hey, this is what I did to get there. Yeah. You give them so much value in that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So there's value with that. And then the fact that you're building relationships with them, they need brothers like you to give yeah. back. You're giving like us, back. man. That's what I'm gonna tap you into the network, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like I, I know I ain't gonna take up all of your time when it comes to what you building, but I I, I hope that I'll be able to. Put you on the network of some young boys that can hit your line every now and then with a text message like coach yeah. uh what's some things that you can point me towards i need to know about opening the business or right i need to know about this is certification i need that's, that's what i need that's that's the thing i want not not can you give me the right drill mm -hmm. it's like no what, what, <laughs> right. can, what can i do to help you become a better man man for real what dude. can i do Because all that stuff is going to end whether yeah. you like it or not nfl you know what nfl stands right. not for. for long not for long, not for long <laughs> it's got to end at some point in time it, ha it has to and not everybody makes it there mm -hmm. and not everybody's gonna make it there not everybody's meant to make it there yeah. and so you have to have a backup plan which is a beautiful thing it is because when I go out there I yeah, still I'm gonna hold you on that because yeah. I tell people it's not a backup plan it's a life plan it's a life plan yes. it's a life you're, yes. gonna, you're gonna do something after football whether you play four years yeah. whether you play 15 years that's true very true it's gonna, it's gonna be something that you do after that so plan I like for that. that now I like that I like that yes exactly it's, your, it's when your life starts after the NFL is when your life starts yeah. it's why those dudes are depressed 
It's because it's like, man, I've given my life to football. It's my identity. It's mm-hmm. like, no, football is not your identity. It's what you no, play. It's your it's career. A it's, it's a, a chapter. chapter. Exactly. Yeah. It's a chapter. And then when they go ahead and close the book, they'll just like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. And you don't want that being a, as a young a- adult. You know nah. what I'm saying? Nah, that's I, a different type of anxiety, man. I don't put that on nobody. And that's why I encourage everybody to tap in soon and always try to find the youngin that you could bring up the ladder at, at some point. Because I know it takes time to build uh, uh, dynasties and everything that we want to grow because we got especially nukes man we, we we think big right so oh absolutely <laughs> we we can't we can't forget about the little homies that's dreaming too that don't got the resources man. exactly the uh last thing i want to tap in with you on something i ask everybody it's like it's our candid corona conversation mm-hmm. so i want you to let me know what's your current perception on the pandemic and the virus that's going on and how do you see it changing specifically your business and your industry after this Oh, man, I, I see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Every time we don't want to use it as a crutch, I see it as an opportunity because now I can connect with my kids. Mm-hmm. I connect with them outside of the gym. We did a good job of doing that, but we didn't do a great job. We didn't do a phenomenal job. I'm texting these kids. I'm DMing them. DMing them I'm sending them content. I'm doing, yeah. We're connecting to them outside of it. And so I just think that it, allow, it allows us to really build meaningful relationships because yeah. that's what life's about building meaningful relationships mm-hmm. and so when you're allowed, when you're doing that that's what it's given us it's just like because now we have no choice but to communicate with them like that yeah. and so I think it's, it, it's it's actually a beautiful thing if you have to see if you if you leave this whole process without growing some sort of way mm-hmm. you miss the boat and I just see this it's, it, I use it as a like a, ten, a time now because everybody's going through something yeah. everybody's going through something it's just like now it's I, we connect with our kids and we intimate with them it's it's amazing and so I think it's a thing that, you know, COVID virus, it allows us to go ahead and say that, hey, maybe we weren't as clean as we thought we were. You ever been to one of those public gyms and it's just like nobody wipes Man, anything what? down? I think it's going to change that. Everybody going to be in there scrubbing, yeah, yeah, scrubbing <laughs> stuff down. I think it's going to build a lot of awareness. I think people are, you know, and I think the COVID virus looks like the 90s, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. You remember the 90s? So the 90s, everybody was outside playing. Yeah. Everybody yeah, was bike okay, riding. Okay. Everybody was doing stuff because they weren't in the house because there was no mm-hmm. Netflix. Mm-hmm. There was none of these different shows all the time that was yeah. on. It's like, no, we I, like, outside. outside. <laughs> yeah, kids are playing outside. Like my little cousin, he came over, he, like he, he brought his friends. He's like, hey, I want to play some Monopoly. I'm like, what? Yeah. You're 18. You want to play Monopoly? <laughs> you don't want to play Call of Duty? He's like, no, I want to play Monopoly. We all played. And it's yeah. like a beautiful, that's like board games now. Yeah. Like kids are playing board games. And I'm like, that's, I, I think COVID brought a lot of perspective. Mm-hmm. Does it suck? Absolutely. But it's just that it brought a lot of perspective to us, man. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, it allowed us to take a step back and say, hey, you know, we need to slow down and then we can go ahead and re-enter stuff back. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Man, see, like, I, I agree with everything you just said, G, because sometimes we get so overwhelmed with being in the rat race of our day-to-day that we forget to take time to, to build our relationships um, we forget to take time to take care of our health. Yes. And we forget to take time to plan for a life outside of our nine to five. Right. You know, because it's wake up, go to work, come home, be around the kids for a second, go to sleep. Right. That, exactly. That's every like, person that got a family, that's usually their day to day. Go exactly. to work, come home with the kids for an hour, my wife for an hour, and I go to sleep. I do it again. Exactly. And so um, I've always been a strong advocate of people taking care of themselves nutrition wise. You tapped in when you're talking about plant-based diets. Oh, yeah, for like sure. That. For sure. I'm big on alkaline especially. Yeah. <clears throat> so the alkaline lifestyle, it fights against Fine. dis-ease. Mm-hmm. That's what disease is. Yep. It's dis-ease yep. in your system. And yes. So if 
I hate when people tell me, oh, man, you're not taking it serious. Like, I take my health so serious. I take my family so serious. What do they mean by you're not taking it serious? Like, like living in fear, you know? Gotcha. Just like having that real pandemic mindset that would stop someone from living their life because there is a law of attraction involved. If you continuously to consume negative content or yeah. what the media puts out, yeah. it'll put you in a mindset that makes you susceptible to have physical ailments because... Your, your mental has physical reactions within your body it as does. well. So, it does. Uh, I see. I say all that to say that my take on it is it's serious, but our health has been serious to me. I hope that we can change the way that we, like Pac say, we eat, the yeah. way we live, and the way we treat each other. Yeah. And that's what's going to have us hard body for any virus, for anything we come up against. Exactly. And the thing that's going to change most, I feel like, after this is that everything is going to be direct to consumer in a business sense. Mm -hmm. um, most of the things have changed in terms of personal reactions. I think people uh, appreciate that a lot more. Um, some people will be like, nah, I ain't fucking with nobody. Don't nobody right, come right, around right, 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 anymore. Right. But I think in general, more people appreciate those relationships. But business-wise, everything is going to have to be digital and direct to consumer somehow. Somewhere. Exactly. We have that Sebi documentary coming out. It's coming. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about it's that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I know. I know. I know. We didn't get to rap about that, but yeah, I'm plant-based, alkaline diet. I've read Dr. Morris, Rock Dr. Sebi, all those guys, yeah, and you I think. Put me on. I don't know about Dr. Morris. Oh man, he's the basically. I see him as the new Dr. Sebi. So yeah. he's huge. He's one of the best holistic care doctors. I've read his book. It's the uh, the Miracle Detox book. He's a faith. He's faith. is faith based. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a believer. Uh, but he just goes in based off of what he like Dr. Sebi's saying. Like it kind of correlates. Yeah. And doc, I'll send you his stuff. But he just goes on saying like you know. Uh, about lactase, what it does to your body, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, how it's abrasive to the system, how meat is abrasive to your system, mm -hmm. and uh, everybody's saying, well, your body can adapt to this, your body can adapt, I'm, or I feel better, you know what I'm saying, like, I, I eat meat and I don't feel bad, well, mm -hmm. the absence of evidence is an evidence of absence, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, just mm -hmm. because you don't see anything doesn't mean it's helping, right. and we're hurting you, you know, right. and so that's the thing, disease isn't fast, it's a slow build, it's a slow, it's a lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, a virus cannot, like, it, it can't survive an alkaline environment, mm -hmm. it can't. And that's exactly what the COVID is. That's why people are asymptomatic a lot of the times. It can't survive. It can stay there, it can lay dormant, but it cannot reproduce and thrive in something that fights against it. Yeah. Now in an acidic environment, that's why they say people with low, bad immune systems, that's somebody whose body's acidic. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's where the virus thrives, and that's what kills people that are our age. Yeah. So it's just, whatever you eat, that like a sound gut is a sound mind. Mm -hmm. You can't think straight, you can't, fully optimize your brain or your intellect way you're thinking just by eating crap right because I, i've been i've i've, I've been i've, I've been plant-based for about 11 months and i feel amazing Man, it's, i'm telling i'm still running out there with the guy i'm still running out there i'm i could i, I ran i like it, like bro like yeah. it's it, it's serious and don't get me wrong spirituality your uh or your faith your your uh your mind and your body all have to be firing because you can sit there and be a vegan and you can sit there follow dr sebi and eat everything in the world but if you're stressed and you have hatred and you have all that stuff that'll kill you faster than eating bad yeah because there's people out there that eat bad that'll probably live until they're 100 years old because they're happy mm -hmm. they're joyful mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so it's just not about exactly but it's your mindset too it all goes hand in hand it does all three of them yeah. you know what i'm saying and then every book that i've ever read they all take it back to mind body soul mm -hmm. they all take it back those are the three things that you need to fire up on and so, yeah, I would encourage you to read Dr. Moore. That changed, that changed my life with how I looked on different things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because he just talks about, like, baby cows and how it's so, like, it has so much GMO. Not GMOs, but it has so much steroids. It has so many different things in it that are 
overwhelming to a baby, to an infant. Uh-huh. So if you give milk, because milk, a cow's milk was meant to make a calf. <laughs> it, was, it was meant to make a calf go from 120 pounds to like 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. It was meant You're to right, do that right, in, right. in four months. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So how can you give that to an infant? How? Because the money behind it. And then... Now it's just like, well, my kid has this disease. I wonder where he got it from. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, diseases can be passed down, but diets are passed down that cause that disease. Exactly. So it's just like, that's the thing that I was digging deep into. It's not genetic. It's not like it yeah, it's genetic. Yeah. It's lifestyle. Exactly. Because exactly. what your mom did, how she grew up, that's probably what she's going to perpetuate in her yeah. household. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so when you look at it like that, it's just like, are we even really supposed to be eating meat? as much as we do mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because eating meat i don't believe one time it'll make an effect but right. it, you can't just eat meat one time and just say okay i'm done right. it turns into a lifestyle mm-hmm. and then you get addicted to it you know what i'm saying so i feel like that'll like just that conversation itself like even like are you a believer absolutely so i don't i've looked deeply into it and if we even talk about the bible everybody ate fish but it never had jesus on record eating fish really I never, I never. He gave it to people, but did it say he ate it? He consumed it. I never seen it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nah, I mean, you will probably know better than me on that specifically. But the the one thing that I always get a little iffy about in in a multitude of religions, uh, not just Christianity, there's a diet that's prescribed for the people. Exactly. And so when we think about this, are we talking people that have genetically adapted to a certain lifestyle to yes. digesting certain foods right or are we talking about what the supreme being expect us expects us to eat like right because what the body has uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um evolved to in asia versus africa versus yeah. the the caucus mountains right. versus south america right what are we saying that is is necessarily right? What are we saying is a hundred percent pure? This is the diet that each person should be sticking to. That's going to make sure that no type of disease or virus can thrive within that body. You yes, know what I'm saying? Exactly. So the only thing I always wonder about, um, whether that's in the Quran, whether that's in the Torah, is are they talking about diets that they know? their lineage has adapted to genetically or are they talking about diets that they believe everyone in the world should live by right so if we can objectively talk about it let's take out religion and bring science into it look at our teeth look at our teeth and i know you've watched the game changes i know you've seen a lot of that but dr morse goes into it deeper it's like we're frugivores as far as teeth wise as far as how we do that we grind it's grinding we grind in three-dimensional we don't just go this dogs aren't necessarily three-dimensional they don't grind but that's why they have teeth like ours and they have fangs because they can go ahead and get into meat they can eat both now you have a a, like a a carnivore all his teeth are sharp but he can't necessarily grind food like that he can't really break it down because he doesn't need to his body's so acidic in the stomach it breaks it down our body doesn't produce as much acidic or uric acid as a lion right. or something like that. And if you think about it, when you see an animal like a cow, just as it is, do you think food or you think animal? You think animal. When you see a burger, you think food. I was about to say, I think it's some Americans who might think different. But I'm saying, like, you, you're yeah. not going to eat a cow as is. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. You gotcha, might see gotcha, burger, gotcha, yeah. but I'm talking about, like, you eat cow as is. When a, you, a lion sees a cow, by the way, a cow 
we might get into this another conversation. Where do you see a cow's natural habitat? We're talking about the farm ones. Have you ever seen them in another habitat? I think a cow is manipulated yes. genetically. Yes, you, pigs too, yeah, chickens. You never see them in a natural habitat. Right, but we're right. going at that. Yeah, 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 that's, that's a wrong. different conspiracy. <laughs> that's a different. We got to wrap on that. But yeah, it's just like we don't see that. When you see a cat, you don't think, "Oh, I want to chase it. Right. I want to go ahead and eat that." Right. As it is, mm-hmm. because we're the only creature on this planet that has to cook its food mm-hmm. the only creature mm-hmm. so what, what does that tell you we have to genetically change it because that's what fire does yeah. it genetically changes the molecules of a substance yeah. in order for us to be able to consume Digested. it yep. mm-hmm. so it's just like apes don't have to do that mm-hmm. but then again do apes eat meat and they say that we're the closest to primates mm-hmm. so it's just like just look at what's in our mouth look at our body yeah. look at what we have access to we don't have sharp nails we don't have anything that gives us an advantage to catch animals Yeah, we don't to run after it like lions, they have four legs. That's where they can chase after. Yeah, we, we we without without a pistol, we 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 yeah. are out there in the jungle. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We are we're, we're the first one. Like we can't climb faster than any animal. Right. We can't run faster. Right. We can't do anything <laughs> else faster. So what gives us that predatorial state that lets us think that we're carnivores? Some people having a wicked mind and twisting the world to that. I mean, there is survival that's involved in that some people were in habitats where they felt like this is what i have to eat to survive yeah but also it's been twisted to be all about a uh industry that's wrapped around pushing all of these diets yeah so when you have jobs involved then you have people that will stand on the table and fight yep. to keep these industries alive. Yes. And people who get elected and create laws. And now we're talking about creating a, a whole new way of living in a nation that doesn't even support that at all. So it's, 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 it's almost sick. ass backwards. It ain't going to It's happen. sick, bro. And then when we go ahead and think about like the agriculture industry, their emissions and then the, the land that they take up and all the food that they take up, they could feed so many people out there just based off the food that they go ahead and feed these people that like not the people that they feed the animals just to go ahead and keep them like satiated yeah like all that food like that they feed cows that we're going to eat anyway yeah. they could be getting it out you know what i'm saying they could be helping people out because that's a lot water yeah. the water to go ahead and take around all those animals they could be given that like you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying but they're taking it and all these all the water's being dried up all the trees are being cut down deforestation just to go ahead and take uh, an animal all this water all this stuff all this land is going into like one percent of what we eat right. like it's a small percentage farm yeah exactly mm-hmm. not humans right. but us right and, and to go back into those days did that guy kill that animal because he wanted to eat or did he kill it because he's defending himself mm-hmm. mm. and then he ate it because it was available mm. because of the fact that hunting somebody or hunting an animal i've never been hunting but i know it's right. difficult with a spear Man, you have to be able to creep <laughs> so meat wasn't available to people as much as people think it wasn't yeah. and then it goes bad it's like back in the hunter-gatherer days yeah. hunting might take you three or four days that's right up. i don't use all this energy for something that's gonna go bad in the night yeah and so what do you think fueled those guys going there nuts mm-hmm. fruit mm-hmm. vegetables that's what fueled them to go mm-hmm. get that mm-hmm. so if they did eat meat it was nuts fruits and vegetables that was like fueling them yeah you know what I'm saying? Right. And what does meat make us do? It makes us lethargic. It gives us the itis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It gives the same. It, but it, if you think about it, it gives the same effect to the animals that eat it. What do lions do all day? They sleep all day. Mm-hmm. They barely <laughs> hunt. What, do any, what does any carnivore do all day? Sleep. It sleeps. It chills. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. It's not yeah. meant to run long distances. Now, impalas, you talk, talk about them. They eat nothing but grass. They can run for miles. Right. And miles. Lions can't run for miles. Mm-hmm. They're creatine-based animals. They use this, they're real quick, strong, yeah. powerful. If they miss it, they go hungry. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, we're not like that. 
we we're meant to go long distances. Yeah. So if you look at that, it's just take religion out of it, and you look at the science part. It's just like we're more like that. Just yeah. that's object. That's it's like well, no, nah, I can't say object, but subjectively speaking, yeah, yeah. Subjectively speaking, it's just like we're we're closer to the frugivore and the non meat eaters than we are anything else. So how do you see that? applying to oh this is the last thing I gotta ask yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. how do you see that applying to the athlete in terms of getting them to understand that hey I ain't perfect either sometimes I may go out to eat and especially if I'm in St. Louis I gotta get some Emo's pizza bro right, 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 right. I gotta get some Chinese food sometimes absolutely but how do you get an athlete to understand that eventually your nutrition is gonna be probably the factor that gives you a long career or a factor that leads to injuries and leads to a short career well you just said it right there because of the fact that inflammation will if you put inflammation in your body because that's what that's what flesh is going to do it's going to cause you to be inflamed mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying you keep putting that in your body and then you get injured because of the fact that you know you're inflamed and all if your body hasn't recovered then you're putting yourself in a position where you could you cost your career yeah. you know what i'm saying like if your body is firing at all cylinders and it has all the nutrients and all the minerals and all the vitamins it has everything like that it's going to be harder for you but let, let alone that's one aspect of course you got to be like your body's got to be physically like um in tip-top shape your, your mentally has to oh they all fire together yeah. but you don't have to get big also you don't have to get uh big by eating meat mm-hmm. because of the fact that I, when i would first turn vegan i was 10, 10 pounds and then i ended up gaining it back because I ended up knowing what to eat. I didn't know what yeah, the heck to eat at first. Yeah, but you know what exactly. to eat? I, I, I'm stronger than I was when right. I was in college. Yep, I'm yep. stronger than I was. I take a lot of CMOS. I'm a believer in that. Mm-hmm. I'm probably the biggest advocate oh, of CMOS. Yeah. I should have I made a career out of it. Valdor. I still eat that stuff. Yeah, I still yeah, eat that yes, stuff. I'm yeah. a big believer. But I feel great after that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have energy. I feel like my brain's firing. And I just feel like, no, don't let your coach tell you. Go research it yourself. Yeah. You have to. That's a fact, man. And especially once you do research it yourself, you see the effects it has. And that's why I'm such an advocate for it because I know it's self-evident. I know I've uh, changed the way that I've changed the way I can compete. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like at first I used to be like, man, I'm getting old. It just is what it is. No. Nah, it's because my nutrition is trash, and yeah. so that was affecting my training. Yeah. But uh, I, I really appreciate you tapping in. Absolutely, man, absolutely, man. my man. Absolutely. We got to got to cover a lot. Uh, everyone on in the audience. Um, let's just continue to thrive, man. We ain't just trying to survive. We're trying to thrive out here. So whether that's uh, a business venture, whether it's something you're just passionate about creative-wise, whether it's uh, nurturing a relationship that you've been neglecting for a minute, let's use this time to tap in and collaborate and, and build and come out a lot more successful than we started. Shout out to my sponsors, Real is Rare. I'm, I'm going to get you on some merch soon. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, for, for sure, sure, for sure. Get me on it, man. I'm going to get you right, G. Yeah. Uh, y'all tap in at www.realisrarebrand.com. Until the next time, double up. Double up. Yes, sir. I love yes, it, man. Sir. I love it. Appreciate you having me. All good.